cliffcentral.com Welcome to the Renegade Report. Hi, Ramon. I'm well. Um, are we going to make South Africa great again after this podcast? We are certainly trying. We are certainly and, trying. Actually, our joke, South Africa was never great. Don't <laughs> kid ourselves. Yeah, now you're going to get told that you long for the apartheid days. Oh, God. Yeah, now you, you, you've, you've done a die in Colobano. South Africa was never great. It was great in like 1302, I think. After that, it's all downhill. 1302? Yeah, when no one was here, I think. <laughs> I just know. the Khoisan. Yes. You know, enjoying their lives. And then the Zulu came and just destroyed everything. Oh, well. Now you... Uh, you think I'd get in trouble for saying that, and you? <laughs> right. So, uh, after the white folk give back the land, the Zulu people can give back the land too. Um, we are, have a show today that is just yours truly and Ramon. Uh, we haven't done a solo for a bit of time, and we thought it was now or never. There were just too many interesting people to talk to. Um, but I think the solo shows are, are quite nice just too. Reorientate our thoughts about about things that are happening at the moment, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then yeah. So let's get straight into it. So as we speak, Vitz is uh, burning down. Well, not burning down. Bramfontein is well. No, is being um, uh, you know, fire was taken quite seriously by many people, and and even the 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 Wokites, um, the Wokiti Pokiti Brigade, um, even they got a bit upset about that whole burning the library at uh, at KZN. So they obviously have uh, gathered together and decided, look, guys, don't burn shit. Uh, rather throw rocks at shit. Um, that's much better. Okay. Well, let's be careful. At some people, we don't know if they actually are part of Fees Must Fall or mm. not. I actually read an article in the Daily Pox. I mean, they actually called the Daily Vox, but I call them the Daily Pox. That's, that's great. That's uh, that's going to stick. Um, because and the Daily Pox made a point that what is this protest actually about? And lo and behold, Fees Must Fall is not actually about fees. So there's a bit of a PR problem there. It's about it's about ending rape on campuses. It's about free education. It's about decolonizing education. And I can't remember the fourth one. Anyway, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. But none of this has to do, none of this has to do with fees. Cause, I mean, if it's free education, it's free education. There's no fees involved. Yeah. So, well, well, we know that, for example, uh, last year, one of the main issues raised by the Fees Must Fall people was uh, the insourcing of workers. Right. Uh, they, they, which I have long held the belief, and if you've listened to previous shows, essentially that that's got to do with control at the universities through political parties and unions. But uh, eventually, they they actually got Vitz uh, to agree to insourcing. They they have managed to get the same at at some other universities. Uh, at Vitz, uh, they agreed to a hundred million rands worth of uh, insourcing. Uh, over and above their, their, their actual budget. Uh, and so that's 100 million rand that now goes to something that doesn't need to and, in, and diverts fees away from other things, such as educating students or providing funding. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the outsourcing thing is, is, is a bit odd to me. Um, I don't see what workers' rights have to do with, with fees at the end of the day. But then again, I mean, I don't think this is about fees at all. I think it's quite clear it's an ideology of sorts. And the question is, where are they learning 
about this ideology? What is WITS teaching these people? Or what is UCT teaching these people? Mm. Because you don't just have these ideas coming from nowhere. They are from somewhere. And, and why do a lot of different type of people believe in the same ideas? It is a bit strange. Well, uh, I think we need to get down to, you know, th- that they should really be honest. Uh, we've got a situation whereby fees were 0% last year, the increase to this yeah. year, the 2016 fees. Uh, the minister then comes out, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and really just takes no responsibility, goes, um, as a communist, I believe in the free market. So the universities should be allowed to increase their fees, whatever they want. Uh, of course, he did say up to 8%. So there was yes. a cap. Um, but he, he's not going to tell anyone what to do, knowing that whether the university puts it up half a percent or all the 8% um, and there is then violence, he can turn around and go, well, I never increased it. You made that decision. So he sends it back to the universities. Uh, we haven't yet had a decision from any of the universities about what they're doing. No, exactly. And so why are people writing already? Yeah. So, so that's part of the problem. But, um, you know, a lot of it I've looked into, I'm quite involved at WITS uh, from an alumnus side of things, and I've looked at the numbers. Um, they've got over 20,000 people. They're 33,000 students, roughly, at WITS. Uh, 20,700 of those uh, receive financial aid uh, scholarships or bursaries in 2015. Is that the NAFSIS? That's that's through NAFSIS, uh, NAFSIS and other uh, right. sources. Okay. So, so two-thirds don't actually pay anything. Uh, it, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, essentially a, a billion rands worth of, worth of funding already that, that sure. goes towards those students. Uh, the argument about the missing middle uh, is, has largely disappeared because uh, they've, they have looked at the people that get sort of mis- cut out. So the missing middle, for those of you who don't know, is you can only apply for uh, the sort of funding if you're poor enough. It's the same as you can only apply for an RDP house if you're yeah, poor enough. Yeah, there's a means test of sorts, I yeah. think. Um, but unfortunately, you might just miss that and actually still not to be able be able to afford your fees. And and I, I think important point to be made because I, I'm sure you've had a fair amount of abuse uh, on social media. Uh, I don't. Let's not call it abuse. Let's just call it criticism because I really don't feel abused. Um, but a lot of what I've received is, oh no, you know. People are being left behind, and rea- reality is this: this isn't happening anymore. These people are being identified. Obviously, anyone who is passing their degree and cannot afford to pay should not be excluded from a university. That is unacceptable, especially in in our country. I, I, that's my view, at least. Um, no, I agree. I, I think those that actually um, are academically gifted should pay as little as possible. Though I don't think. Being academically gifted gives one an entitlement not to pay something. So, so what's what's happening now is actually that, for example, with what Blade announced, because government will cover those who can't afford it. So Fort Hare, for example, uh, can turn around and go, everyone gets 0% next year because government is covering their students are in such a position that they right. can't afford it. Uh, and so pretty much all their students get a zero rating. Uh, in, in terms of fee increases. Somewhere like WITS or UCT doesn't have the same situation, um, but those who are going to get hit with the 8% are people that can afford it. Um, well, and it's the minority yeah, and it's, of, of students. And, and I think most people, 
you know, you, we can make good arguments against this, uh, but I think most people feel that it's okay and fair. Um, I, I don't, and they don't agree with that, but that it's fair that sort of rich people pay and then uh, other people don't. That's our social sort of system. Sure. Uh, and and fine, that's no, it's no issue. Uh, one of the problems uh, that I've been told from a couple of insiders at Wits is that students simply don't want a loan; they want. A handout. So yes. they want to be told you can come here, you can study your four years, and when you are done, and you then go on to work for a bank, or work for an accounting firm, or wherever you end up working. You know, gender studies um, is a huge thing. There is, there's a gender studies uh, uh, agency on every corner, as we know. Um, they pay very well as well. Um, once they've done their four year degree, they they don't want to pay it back. Right. Um, well, I think seventy percent of NASFAS. Um, students don't don't yeah, pay back don't yeah. pay back and government doesn't doesn't chase them sure uh so that's where we are we're we're at the point where i think the argument is not about i can't afford to go the argument is i can afford to go or i'm being given the opportunity to go but i never want to pay for it i want free education completely sure and i mean Yes, and then that's when that's when I become a bit unsympathetic because there's no right in law for that to happen. <clears throat> People still quote the Freedom Charter as some sort of legal document, and I'm going to quote my favourite uh, intellectual with his argument as a People, it's 2016. <laughs> Why are you thinking these? I things? was going to say your favourite intellectual, Thomas Sowell, but no, of course you've you've quoted a, a man far greater in mind. Far greater. Far greater. Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. It's 2016, people. Uh, what a great argument. Uh, world debater. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, that's the, the level we've, we've reached. It's just not a viable situation. You know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I saw Sikhle, um tweeting quite a bit about this. Right. Um, and it, it just, it doesn't exist. Someone's got to pay. There's always going to be payment. But what I'm, I'm struggling to understand is that the crux of the problem is actually the state, as always. Um, so why are they going after the proxies, which is the, the universities in this case? And why are they, why are people processing about something that cannot actually happen, right? Yeah. So if, if violence doesn't make the state say, okay, cool, we'll give you what you want, it doesn't work that way. There are processes to follow and mm. lobbying to do and things like that. And maybe in five years, we're in a position to hand out tertiary education for free. And then there are a lot of issues with that as well. I mean, I'm not in favor of free education. So, I mean, I don't think that that's a viable thing. You know, everyone goes, the government can afford it. Well, currently, the government on average funds most universities about 12% of their entire income. Uh, so we're talking about 80 to 90% of what any university gets in comes from uh, either what they get from students who can afford it, what they get from uh, partnerships that they have with the private sector, what they get from research, uh, all these types of uh, areas. It's not coming from directly government going, here's money for students to study. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a viable Argument. Yeah, and, and I mean, and the government is obviously not not innocent in this regard. The, the flagrant uh, corruption and just wastage is is massive. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Like, I, I lack sympathy for like all three entities. So in so, this regard, uh, the government, yeah. the students, students, and and the universities themselves, because yeah. they, I don't think the, the quality of the education is, is really merited. 
some some of them some of them are really good, mm. but most I mean the BA and the BCom students subsidize like everyone else. I mean let's agree to that because a lot of people. I, I don't have the statistics, but I would guess that that's probably correct just based on numbers. Right, and these people learn about this decolonization. I don't know theory. At WITS or at UCT or at wherever. I don't know if those are part of the course curriculum yet. I'm sure they will be shortly. I think that's for me where the criticism to um, management goes. Uh, I said to uh, the, the other members that sit on, on the convocation with, with me, um, who are all very senior academics and, and business executives, uh, I said that there is an element of us, both the convocation, uh, the council, etc., just needing to actually take a position that is in based in a little bit of maturity. Um, because for me, I feel like we, in some part, dealing with petulant children who, who, who you know, there was that one, uh, was it a Facebook message about you will listen and you will not interrupt us. And if you're white, you will just listen. And if you're management, you will just listen. And, and I think that um, instead of management capitulating over and over again, it's basically what you're doing is you, you have a, a child throwing a tantrum in the middle of a shopping center. And the way you're dealing with that is trying to placate the child. Right. Instead of walking away and saying, this is not how you behave. And when you are prepared to behave in, in a decent fashion, we can have a discussion. Well, well, another issue is that there are actually channels, you know, for this. There are gr- grievances can be, uh, transmitted. Mm. Oh, so, well. There various processes. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Janssen, okay, I don't know if he's there anymore, at University of Free State, he has an open yeah, door, he's gone. he has an open door policy, yeah. for example. You can meet him any, uh, well, you could, any afternoon between yeah. four and six, I believe it was. Well, Adam Habib, I'm not a fan at all, but Adam Habib has been very open to students. Uh, I think a bit too much, actually, uh, in terms yeah. of taking on their ideas and just running with them. But he, he really has been, been, been on the student side, so to speak. I, I, I tell you from sitting on a management body at, at or a, a body that gives sort of advice to the university that most people don't come from my perspective. They're not sitting there going, we disagree with the students. Most people have huge sympathy sure. for the students. Most people are on the student side. The problem is, is that, and once again, it's nuanced because perhaps there are some students who really feel that there's an injustice happening and that even if it's just down to a few hundred students being left behind each year, which I, I tend to, I don't have the data yet, I'm trying to get it, but uh, I tend to feel that that is what, where we're at. Um, even if it's just those few hundred being left behind every year, um, it's a huge injustice. Uh, sure. But then there are other students who just want to throw stones. Uh, I had this on Twitter today. I had people, uh, after I made the comment, they got very upset. Of all the things I said, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the uh, protesters or some protesters got very upset that the insinuation was made that because we're close to exams, of course, this would be the time that you choose to shut down the university. Yes. Um, and, and they're very upset about that. But then some saying, well, I'm going to pass and throw stones or I did throw stones and will pass. Uh, so I think there are some people who just like being part of the chaos. I agree with that. I mean, there was a, there was a great video on ENCA. Uh, t- last night, actually, Jeremy Max. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Jeremy Max, the, the student is nuts. But he, I, I think he was on on something or other. He <laughs> he was take off his shirt and he was fidgeting and he wouldn't actually. He, his speech was slurred. Um, so I mean, are these people actually taking some sort of stimulant or some sort of mm. drug beforehand? Well, the other, on purpose, the other, perhaps. The other point know. that's being made is that some of the protesters aren't even students. That Max Price we have point, we yeah. have political parties. Uh, getting involved or just, 
you know, people who want to kind of cause trouble. I know the ANC has said this uh, often in, uh, you know, in service delivery protests. They claim that um, a service delivery protest might be legitimate, but then there are, um, you know, they love saying the third force. There are elements. Uh, but there are it, elements. Yeah. There are criminal elements. And I, I think that there is some... Um, there, there, there may be some um, logic to to that happening. In other sure. words, you have a chaotic situation. Uh, you can see this all around the world when riots develop, for example. So there's a very real situation where there's chaos for some reason. Well, let's call it protests develop, yeah, not riots. It becomes riots. Yeah, protests or there's just chaos uh, because right. of whatever. It can be a, a bad weather. It can be, uh, you know, a power failure. Black Friday. Sure. <laughs> um, it can be a re- what happened with the Cops, uh, they they shot an innocent kid this last week in the states, yeah. uh, and then uh, that leads to to protests, which then became riots. And in those riots, people then loot stores, for example. Uh, that not to say that all the protesters are criminals, but I think it's a good opportunity to to kind of do that if, if that's uh, your inclination. It certainly is. I mean, the problem here for me is that I'm not here to give solutions. I don't think there is any due to the current structure of the problem. Mm. You got a, a, a country that's running out of money. You got cash-strapped people, mm. you have cash-strapped universities, yeah. and you have an expectation, an ideological expectation of like free education. Mm. So like it's a complete fuck up. Excuse my language, but it's a complete mm. fuck up, and something has to give. And I'm afraid that might just be the universities. I'm afraid they might have to retrench, or they might have to really downsize. And then I think we far worse off because the bright, the best and brightest won't want to stay here. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to what you said about quality. The truth is that our universities do produce quite good quality currently, yes. uh, especially actually in our STEM subjects, for example. Absolutely. Um, we are quite respected worldwide. We're actually also quite respected in the business uh, field, for example. I mean, a lot of my stuff comes from WITS, but I, I know we're ranked uh, somewhere th- around 30th in the world. Uh, WITS business graduates are ranked somewhere about 30th in the world for uh, their potential to lead global companies and become CEOs and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, that's amongst quite a good group of, of, of other universities. Yes. And um, that'll go away. I, I agree with you. We already know um, from friends that we've had discussions with who are involved in the universities that downsizing is happening and that people are very um, scared of, of losing their jobs. Um, if you're a, a protest and you're, you're very excited about that, you shouldn't be because ultimately those people have skills which they would like to impart on you um, and now they're not going to be able to but what do you think about the ethics uh, of this actually being a very small problem uh, because it's it's dominating headlines at the moment it's not just you know twitter and which isn't we've said repeatedly isn't real life yeah it is headline news um, and we've got a million people who enter matric uh, if I'm not mistaken, three or four hundred thousand who who, who actually e- exit matric. Well, you mean enter grade one? Uh, so sorry, one million uh, yeah. enter grade one. Million one million enter grade one. And I think it was three hundred and something thousand. Yeah, the, the Institute uh, of Race Relations has has this data, but yeah. but uh, and uh, I'm sure other people have the data too. But it, it's somewhere in the three hundred thousand mark that that actually leave matric. Yes. And in terms of the bunch that leave matric with university exemption. It's like it, it, 20, 30,000. No, no, it's, it's, it is more than that. No, it's it's, it's than over that. the 100,000 mark. Oh, okay. um, it is over the 100,000 mark. But 
so it's a very it's a very small group of people. So what we're trying to do here is say, okay, you know, even if tomorrow you could go to any university you wanted for absolutely nothing, all you had to do was apply. Yeah. The entrance criteria would still stand unless you've decolonized and decided, you know, that the gallbladder isn't really where the gallbladder is because that's a Eurocentric idea. Um, so, so. Uh, okay, that's probably not still manning the argument very well. That's quite uh, funny though. Uh, uh, the, the de- just to be very flippant, decolonization looks a lot like Marxism to me. <laughs> that's because a- another it, another great European import. It, it, I don't say, uh, what are you decolonizing? It has anyway. its roots in Marxism. Um, yeah, so you know the the this this concept of we're worrying about a small group. I think of it's three percent of the whole population of students, right? Of, of the entire of country. country. So 97% yes. of people, this doesn't really affect. Not for the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I would, I don't understand why I, I, we don't see this, for example, not a fees must fall, but an edu- and can we really lose the fall word? I mean, we'll get on to other fall things later, but this, this, this things must, things must not fall. That is destruction. Can you stop tearing things down? Not everything needs to be te- torn down. Maybe the state, we can have that, that discussion. The state must fall. We could, that Absolutely. might be the only thing. Um, but, but, we we really should be trying to build things up. Uh, why are we not having this 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 furor over education must improve? Basic education must yeah. improve. That million people that enter school should finish school. Well, or most of them, yes. Or we would like them to because we because I think that's a lot more. That's a lot harder work. I, I do think that um, people really get the, a sense of identity once they become students. I really do think that, um, mm-hmm. and they are in a group of people. Should groups exist, of course, they're in a group of people that sort of have the same issues <coughs> at that time. Uh, but as we said before, the issue is how expensive the fees are, and it only affects maybe ten percent of all students at Vits, not. 80% of them because some are funded. Mm. It, it's a really complicated situation. I think it, I think it's a bit of that, you know, you get that madness of crowds scenario yeah. where so, someone is a firebrand and has a cause and you're just like, oh, you know what, fuck it. I don't, my life's a bit boring. Let's go join a cause and mm. we can change the way things are. And I think it's, yeah. It's, and it's and a bit some of that. have nothing to lose. It's a bit of naivety. It's a bit of everything. But unfortunately, it's, its impact is disastrous yeah. on a lot of, on other students, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and on the greater on, on on society in general, because if your universities fall, I mean, where do the the thought leaders in the original sense, not the male and guardian sense, where do the thought leaders, where are the new engineers, where are the new entrepreneurs coming from? Yeah. If they're not coming from our universities, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I think you know, and we've we've we have made the point repeatedly. You don't need a degree to succeed in life. No. Um, and actually, just on the matric stuff, uh, the data also shows that the greatest decider of whether you will get a job or not is whether you have a matric in this country. Indeed. Um, you still battle. You still might battle to get a job because employment is hard to come by. But you, your chances are much, much greater if you have a matric as against if you dropped sure. out of school. Um, but I mean, you've raised a lot of points there. It's it's uh, 
you, what about the students who who actually want to study? I, I've been trying to push this quite hard, uh, which is that I really believe that the majority of students, we, so we're seeing a, maybe even a few thousand. I, I don't even think it is that many. It's probably a couple of a hundred. A couple of hundred. Who are very not. loud yeah. and very aggressive, are able to sort of scream at cameras and, and say, you know, all the buzzwords. Uh, but essentially we have thousands. So remember, I'll use WITS as an example, but UCT is all similar size. Um, UKZN, Free State will all be large universities, Fortier I think as well. Um, these uh, There are 33,000 at WITS um, and we're seeing a few hundred making a noise. But, and how many are actually throwing stones at the police? Uh, yesterday there was a video. How many? Were, there were like 20 yeah, thirty yeah. people yeah. throwing, and stones? even though the great hall stoning, which which broke all that glass, yeah. I, I saw a picture which showed about three or four guys. Um, well, exactly throwing. Uh, the 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 you know I think that the majority, and and this is what bugs me about the, all these narratives is that you don't hear the sort of silent majority. Yes, um, who who I truly believe want to just carry on and get on with it. I mean, if you if you currently are a student at Wits, your year is paid for. Okay, the way it will work is if you are, and this is most universities, um, if you are not paid, uh, if you haven't paid, you will still carry on. You, you most universities will even allow you to write your exams. They just won't release your results at sure. the end of the year. So that's where your if, problem if there's, a, comes. if there's a deficit in no, your, pro- your problem will come in December, January. Your problem isn't right now. But but even then, Jonathan, I mean, if if some students have to find their voice, I think I think the threats of violence, intimidation is really really high. Well, that's some of the feedback I got. I think you are dealing with people who actually want to hurt others. Um, I saw our good friend Mr. Twabe at UCT yesterday. Mm. He was a shambok. In a in a lecture in a lecture no. hall, and he um, he didn't hit someone, but he acted like he wanted to, because someone didn't follow his orders, like the law fascist that mm. we said he was. I, I just so, where is the law as well? I mean, we have a law against that now. Yes, um, we, it's common assault, I believe. No, but we have a law against carrying traditional weapons, as an oh, example. Yes. Um, we can debate whether that law is fair or not, and and where it came from, because I think it was very Americana related. Yes. Um, so there are problems with it, but there's a law. Um, what he's doing is illegal. Um, I don't think a shambok belongs on a university campus, just like I don't think a gun or a knife belongs on a university campus. No. Um, and 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 why why is it so hard to just Kind of see the guy. Okay, he's throwing the stone. All right, arrest him. Like, why is it such a complex well, thing? Our police are up to shit as well. Let's let, let, let's. The police aren't aren't angels in this either. They're, well, they're not angels. Number one and number two is I think they're petrified to um, deal with groups now. I don't think they're petrified. I think they're just not not trained properly. Uh, we That's, spoke. That we, could be true. We, we spoke to someone who's in parliament yeah. uh, dealing with police issues and like in terms of in terms of morale and training and all that like it's really awful it's really yeah. awful we haven't had a police commissioner you know she's been suspended ever since Americana and even before then the police brutality is, is a big issue in this country so yeah so basically all you're seeing in, in if you look at totality is like state policy that's absolute failure and that is Running through the universities, it's running through expectations of people. It's a bad police force. It's a lack of money in the economy. It's and there's only one culprit. <laughs> you say the state, the ANC voter. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, can't disagree with that. Can't, can't. I had a good, I had a good uh, argument uh, with someone on uh, uh, yesterday about the ANC voter is is a great 
argument against democracy. Because on, on any measurable scale, the ANC have been absolutely awful this past, well, since Zuma came in, to be fair. In terms of economic freedom, in terms of the economy, in terms of our uh, view, uh, international view, in terms of every single aspect yeah. of, of, of like, State measurement index indices. ANC has been awful, yet they still managed to win overwhelmingly in elections. Um, Listen to a podcast about. Uh, let's get on to vote voters. <laughs> uh, just on a side, it just came to me because I was. Was it? Um, it might have been the fifth column. Uh, relatively good podcast. I quite enjoy it. Um, sometimes I disagree with their stuff, but that's that's okay too. Um, and they were saying. I don't know if it was theirs, but they were the the argument was should everyone be allowed to vote, essentially. Um and there were so one thing that they said was maybe you should there should be like a criteria that everyone can like comply with, but if you want to vote. But for example, they said economics one oh one uh might yeah. might be something you want every voter to have. It, it might be free thoughts radio. They had a guy who wrote a book yeah, called Against, it was. It Against Democracy. Yeah, it's it, called it, Against Democracy. He says the biggest danger to to individual uh, freedom and, and ability is actually the voter. Because in studies that they've done in the US at least, the average voter is just so ignorant of anything um, that is policy related. Yeah, they so, have no no idea. Yeah, sorry, just to correct that podcast is Free Thoughts from Libertarianism Libertarianism dot org. Yeah. Uh it's actually quite an interesting if you're interested in libertarian concepts, um then it's it's a good it's a good But good, especially that one, because he goes through voting patterns of people and yeah. why people vote the way they do. And interestingly, people vote on on Majority, and the majority of voters actually vote altruistically. They think, what is the best for our society in general? Mm. Yet when you actually ask them, if you ask a voter how other voters vote, they said, no, they just vote for their self-interest. Mm. But actually all of them vote altruistically. Interestingly yeah, it's, enough. It's, 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 so, I mean, these are things, things to consider because we, we have a very complex, uh, complex situation uh, in terms of the voting which leads to the state we have which leads to all the policies and regulations let's yeah. talk about some of those regulations um the uh, our boss um <clears throat> went to parliament uh, on this this show um he's on my boss doesn't pay me shit where's kosatu to save us from this exploitation <laughs> yeah we we've, we 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 we're not being paid we actually slave labor that's, that's exploitation. Uh, our definition where's my rights um, but so Gareth goes with uh, Thibaut Touch to to Parliament. I mean, I, I I don't want to be too much of a cynic, but let's be honest. If uh, data was free tomorrow, uh, you know, everything in terms of their business interest probably does a lot better, um, which uh, which is perfectly fine. They're entitled Absolutely. to push their 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 agenda. Um, I don't disagree on the point though that data, if it was more accessible to more people, it opens up the whole sort of knowledge of humanity to 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 the entire population yes but now why is what is what is the one decision made in 94 that that screwed everything up concerning broadband yeah so i'm i'm not i'm not going to take your thunder but i am going to guess that it's got nothing to do with vodacom coming going to business no exactly no uh it is with uh, jay naidu who was minister of communications at the time giving the monopoly to telecom. Yeah. 
broadband to telco. And, and, and then, and then, and then it continued from there because what happened even in our, even in the private sector is that it's so overregulated, uh, that it's, it is not a free market. Well, no, if the state there, there's never a free market. But just imagine that monopoly given to telecom in 1994 to extrapolate the trillions of rands that have not been made due to that monopoly. It's probably incalculable. Just imagine how much money has been lost, how much wealth has never been achieved mm. because one company, but, but, a, very, a company owned by the state, controls all the broadband in the country. Yeah. And in terms of the wealth you're talking about, you're not just talking about the wealth telecom could have generated or, oh, no. or a private no, uh, provider. So, oh. but, but not only that, people themselves, individuals having more access to these types of technologies. And much sooner. Exactly. Could have, could have generated more wealth. Uh, we, we, we could have had a Silicon Valley. The whole country could have been Silicon Valley. Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, you just need to look at something like South Korea. I mean, South Korea prioritized yeah. uh, internet connectivity. And, you know, today they lead the world, uh, one of the countries that leads the world in terms of the speed, their internet speed. Uh, everyone has access from the poorest of the poor. I, I they do, don't have many poor. But. I, I do think it's a human right um, in a way that I do think once people have access to, to that type of information, a lot of mm. other social ills falls away. Do you think Fees Must Fall would exist if everyone had high-speed internet data at a cheap price? Do you think it would exist? I doubt it. I, I, it might not, but I probably think that we get to it might not exist for in different ways. Sure. So, so I think that it might not because if you can have, if every ten-year-old has access to the internet over a period, the, the eight years before they get to university, I think they get to university a lot more informed a human being. But would they even attend university? Why would universities want to give courses that don't require physical, um, what do you call it, that, that don't require the student to be there? So I think universities would have phased out a lot of like the humanities and even the accounting. They would have, they would have stayed with STEM subjects. They would have stayed with they, a few things. They but might they, have. But they wouldn't have had... Um, I don't think the universities will change. I think the people will change. So, you know, if you look at uh, the United States, for example, yeah. uh, Harvard hasn't phased out their humanities degrees. Sure. Uh, in fact, they've, they've, they've increased them uh, to stupid things. Um, but, but uh, and that goes across the board for all the universities uh, in that country. And I'm sure you could find similar things. I think the universities still haven't figured out quite how to translate the teaching process that happens at a university um, to your computer screen. Um, yeah. and, and, and that certainly is, I, th I think, one of the next big things. I agree with you. I, I don't understand why, uh, for, for many degrees, why you need to be at the university. Why do you need to be in a physical space? In a physical space. Um, but another, another uh, an issue with that, do you know how many people start the LB degree at UNISA online? Yeah, how many? Um, well, no, and how many, how many actually um, pass it all the way to the end? What percentage do you think passes it at the end? 30%? 2%. Jeez. That's the problem with online learning. People actually don't focus. People don't actually work. So if well. you're, is it, is it a sort of group thing? If you're around other people doing the same thing, I think peer, so. peer pressure, I, that type I, of thing? I do think having a, a physical connection to, to something that you're doing in mm. terms of actually being in a lecture yeah. and having a type of support system. Yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, involuntarily so. Um, when I was at Vits, um, 
my colleagues helped me immensely. We helped each other quite a lot yeah. to pass and whatever. Well, same for me. I, if mean, you, if I wouldn't have on, passed without my clinical partner. If you're online by yourself, mm, I think it's difficult to connect with other people. In that same in that same way, so yeah. I mean that that's one aspect. So but anyway, I mean we can argue we can argue that, and, and I think it's an interesting it's an interesting area. But bottom line is is that you can become a very informed person uh, just by having access to the internet, um, and 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 then you may think, okay, I don't need university necessarily, and uh, there are plenty of examples. Well, which universities um, teach pro- programming? Not, I, I, not, I, I, not I, think, I, I think I think the private uh, the exactly. private the well, private ones. Been taken. Which which one uh, teaches marketing? They uh, do, but yeah. how many people actually go to university just to learn marketing? Not many. Many go no, to. There is a become marketing degree, but but I, many go to specialized schools, right? Um, how many degrees graphics design? How many universities teach that? Hmm. A hmm. few, but how many people actually go to university just to learn about graphic design? I don't think many. So the. I think if universities could focus on the STEM subjects and maybe make, maybe make those free, mm. air quotes, um, then it could be quite interesting. Then we could have like a hybrid system of private education for everything mm. except STEM subjects. Well, that could be interesting. Well, I think well, private education is an, an interesting point because I think what's going to happen now, I do think our universities are going to be very badly affected. Yeah. Uh, and I do think the result of that – uh, especially if we carry on down this road towards inverted commas free education, uh, is that all that happens is, you know, Vits, UCT, those kinds of universities, UP, from being in the top 500 universities in the world, just drop down the rankings and basically their deg- the degree isn't worth the paper it's written on ultimately 30 yes. years from now. What happens then is people still need university. So people still want to get a engineering degree. So all that's going to happen is private institutions are going to are going to take up that space. Well, if or that, people if, are either going to leave the country for that for those that that education yeah. or someone an organization will come into the into the country set up a private university. Once again government standing in the way of that. Medical schools. Uh, there are several um, uh, organizations and companies who have been trying to set up private medical schools for the last 15 to 20 years constantly Blocked by the Department of Health. Sure. Well, I know of a. I'm not going to say the name. A, a company, a trade union, has set up their own university actually, uh, which is um, they have, they have centres all over the country mm-hmm. and is actually an interactive screen. So the doctor is actually at home or wherever. They can see you. And they can see you and they can write on the screen. It's actually very interactive, and that's just gone live. It's taken them five years. Yeah. Just to do that. Um, it'll, it'll, you see, in, in the environment we sit in, it'll, it'll, it's going to bear fruits. There's no doubt about it because that is becoming the only alternative. Sure. And it's actually going to become the primary way of getting an education, especially if our universities drop a lot in quality. Not which, just, but there's also Monash and Damlin and all, say, yeah. Boston, all those yeah. places that also offer that. I don't know if they'll be able to offer STEM subjects, well, but yeah. who knows? Leave it up to the free market, and 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 you, you oh, never yeah, know. Course. I think of if course. there's demand, it'll happen. Indeed. Um, and at a, at a at a great cost. And then if you want to talk about not being able to afford education, if you think it's bad that you currently have to pay thirty thousand rand or forty thousand rand a year for your, your engineering degree at WITS or UCT, uh, wait until the private industry are the only people who are giving a quality version of that and charging you two hundred k a year. And if you moan, they'll just say, well, they don't care. And they don't have to. Um, 
we got a little bit of feedback from our last show. We did we did that Zionism bit. Yes, you moved on quickly. So must say. Anyway, moving on to our next topic. Nah, come we we we, we can be we can be cool like that. We're Just not, segue we're not, straight we're not, in. We're not CNN. Um, yeah. So one of the comments was okay. Wait, our last podcast was about the Zionists. Yeah, uh, Zionism rather with the Benji Shulman as our guest. So what, what was the feedback? Um, well, one, a couple of things. Um, we triggered some of the people on both sides of the, the, the debate. Um, but one of the comments was, well, you know, you weren't very objective. Um, and what, what do you think about objectivity? Well, it doesn't exist, um, especially when humans are involved, right? Um, we never plan to be objective on the show, to be fair. I think we have tried to be objective over fees must fall because if if we troll, if we are trolling or not, it doesn't really matter. So I think we should actually try to be objective around that. But around the guests in our in our shows, well, think of, we want to talk about Zionism, so we invited a Zionist on. Um, he was, you know, well educated. Um, he knew much more about Israel and Zionism than I ever did. Yeah. And the little that I know, it seemed to correspond with what he was saying. So I didn't feel the need to interrupt. Yeah, there was nothing obvious that was like, oh, my God, that's an outright, blatant falsity. Right. I mean, I said kill all the Arabs, not him. And no <laughs> one has picked a side of me. And I can say it because I'm Arab. So I don't see the issue. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it comes down to this obsession with believing that there's any such thing as objectivity. And maybe there was or maybe there was more of it. Uh, before, I, I think if you look at news networks now, you'll, you'll find that these, they're not objective at all. No, but they never uh, you were. Know, you've got the Clinton News Network, um, you know. CNN. Yeah, and, and then you've got Fox, which is clearly pro-Trump. Those are two good uh, international examples. I mean, I mean you've got um, Man and Guardian, which is, which is completely anti-DA. They, yeah, never, they never say so. Sure, so we, we know that. We've got ANN7. But who, is their right to be anti-DA? Who, they should just be honest about it. That's yeah. all. AN and 7 who aren't honest about it, but we know because of the back channels sure. that obviously they're pro-government. I mean, SABC, they don't say either, but it's like obvious yeah, that they're anti-DA sure. so, or pro-government. So I think, you know, objectivity, eh, a little bit overrated. And also bear in mind that what you do is you take, you get given, presented with data and facts. Um, and, or, or arguments. Or arguments. And then you, you take that and you, 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 you collate it together and you, Take a position, right. and that position. Uh, look, I'm not a big fan of fence sitters. So, and most people aren't fence sitters. So, I think outwardly they might be to try not upset people. Yes. Um, but but you 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 have a position, and humans are uh, innately biased creatures. Well, they're intuitive creatures. Yes, they, they they make they make their moral reasoning based on on intuitions. Uh, so I feel a certain intuition when I see fees must fall. Like I, I'm a bit. Not revolts by it. I'm like, oh, students, entitlement, all these sort of things come out when I think of it. And then it takes me like a minute to calm down. Yeah, the and, e -word. I, and I actually, I say entitlement. Yeah. Well, for education is a damn entitlement. I'm sorry, man. If you come after me for saying entitled students, you, it's like they're 3% middle class and they want free education. That's entitlement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so, so yes, but back to my point. Um, yeah, we're intuitive creatures. That's been borne out by, Jonathan Haidt, he's a psychologist who you should read. Um, Gerd Sad, who we had on the show, yes, yeah, he, 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 yeah. he tell, will tell you all about evolutionary psychology. No, absolutely. So, I mean, we have no plans to be objective at all. 
by any means. We just try, I hope, to make good arguments. And sometimes we fail. I accept that. We're not perfect. But our intention is to be logically sound in how we say things. And Benji was perfectly logical and his arguments were good. When we heard it, and you're free to disagree, of course, yeah. and you feel free to tell us what we got wrong. Yeah. And we're very happy to have someone who is pro-Palestine to come on. We just need yeah. to find someone who would do that. Yeah, so uh, that's just another point to be made, which is if you disagree with something, cool. Uh, we have people disagree with us on a daily basis. But um, saying... Oh, uh, you're everything from you're a racist to uh, today I got told how much white privilege I have because right. I don't agree with fees must fall. But once again, not um, an argument. Not an argument. So none of these things are arguments. So if you if if you disagree, that's perfectly fine. I am not right on everything, uh, and I may see your point and go, okay, I, you've got a point. I'm going to change my view. But you actually have to present that point, <laughs> and you actually sure. have to present that argument. Sure. I, I had a great discussion with a lady on Twitter um, who is complete, diametrically opposite to me. She actually supports Fees Must Fall, yep. and she supported the, the Pretoria Girls' hair debacle yep. thing. And and I made a tweet that like I just don't see like racism in telling someone to cut their hair according to the Code of Conduct. There were a lot of arguments that the Code of Conduct is outdated and I fully accept that. And she actually asked for my email address and she sent me a whole email. She was actually a student there. Mm. And she says, throughout her high school career, mm. a lot of, um, ra- not, not overtly racist, but mm. like, you know, that subjective racism where people say, Oh, you speak so well. Yeah. And, um, Oh, I know that you're, I know it's difficult to control your hair, but try to do it this way. And you were forbidden to speak in your native language. At breaks and things like that. Yeah. So she said there there was a culture of like this, sub, not overt racism, but like this very like um, how can I explain it? Like not people who weren't aware of the racism, so to speak. And she sent me this long email about it, and and we we exchanged emails, and she's the, she's completely opposite to me in terms of thinking yeah. of and but we had a, a great conversation and now that your head's exploded i'm actually thinking of bringing her on uh, as a future guest because she's actually studies at wits um but it was really great to have someone reach out and say no but the real issue is this is just the yeah. the, the spark and this is my argument yeah but but she said the hair thing is just the is just the, the end of actually like a long period of Continue. time where, where these students actually felt victimized and and then I said, okay, that makes a lot more sense. But no one ever said, no one ever argues that point. They always say, if you don't accept it's racist, then you're the racist. It's like, not an argument, once again. Yeah. I keep thinking, we, we speak past each other so many times, and I'm guilty of it. We speak past each other all the time, and we never actually get to the issue at hand. Well, uh, I'm going to do one of those things again where I say another area of where we didn't get to the issue at hand. Um, it's past, but the past Anderson issue? Oh, um, that, that, that vile homophobe. So we also missed, yeah, we also missed, uh, oh, well, as a people, we, as a nation, we missed the point there. Um, well, it was taken out of our control by the state, you know, the, the state that invites Hamas in here, which, which, and Hamas basically say it killed Jewish people. Yeah. Uh, so they allowed in. Um, so there was a bit of irony there. And also don't allow the Dalai Lama, which, you, you know, for all like these... the Dalai Lama. Yeah, but, but, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Dalai Lama, but I, I no, don't but think he's... No, consistency, a, it's a problem. Yeah, yes. you know. Um, I just think we missed a great opportunity here to 
I have a feeling Steve Anderson could have been a very good pivot point for mm. the gay community and gay rights groups mm. to come out and actually show their their force, yeah. show how many they are, actually give a message like to South Africans in general that we, there's a lot of us who believe this guy is absolute bigot and we'll shout him down. And I think I think the, I think something was missed there. By banning him, I think you don't actually deal with the problem because homophobia is terrible. Well, I think we, there's a few things that were missed. Number one is is that we 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 made him into a bigger thing than he needed to be. Right. Um, so <clears throat> it's not something that was missed, but it's a Strassand effect, really. Um, and then and then what we really missed is that that was about um, how you can actually show that you are for rights of people so so gay rights for example we had the opportunity not to just ban someone but let him in and then show where you actually stand on the matter right um and also at the same time uh, honor the constitution in the sense of this we we believe in freedom of speech we believe truly in sure. the ability of people to speak but in the ability of other people to tell those people what you're saying is wrong or bullshit or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and we just, we just, we miss those opportunities because we overreact and we well, want to I mean, protect people or mollycoddle. Okay, or, I don't know about we. I mean, the, the Malusi Kigaba did it out of his own. Sure. And way. it's 2016 and, also did it. And, and, and oh, yes, of course. And, and a lot of people actually asked him to do so. So he was capitulated to do so. Well, he capitulated to that. I just, I just think that there's there's a dichotomy here between what the constitution says and people afraid of getting hurt or offended, or that Steve Anderson's sermon could lead to more homophobic violence. Uh, that's something you that that's you can't prove if he's not here, because homophobia is a huge problem in this country in the first place. And I don't think and, and how do you get over that violence if you don't if you don't confront the issue? So now cool, we don't have yeah. Steve Anderson here. Yeah. Uh, we've still so, got homophobia. So we've still got homophobia, we've still got corrective rape for lesbians. Yeah. We've still got all these issues. We're we're not really so you, you banned the guy from coming in the country. All these problems are still with us. Um and and, and it's just I just think we 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 miss the boat. I say Absolutely. we, but as an as a country, yeah. in many debates, we miss the boat. We're missing the boat on the fees must fall stuff, as we've discussed. We're missing the boat on the data must fall stuff uh, because you know that's actually got nothing to do with oh the companies are, are ripping us off, um, which is the the sort of attack. They are um, sort of. I'm not I'm not a big fan of yeah, corporations. But, but sure, they they're ripping us off, but they're ripping us off because it's they're enabled to rip us off no, by, sure. by government regulation. No. Absolutely. So the issue isn't the companies ripping us no, off. No, of course not. Um, and now with this guy, you know, uh, we, we ban him, so we've solved the problem. We haven't solved any problem, and we haven't had the discussion. No, we haven't. Um, yeah, it's a pity that a lot of people who say they're for free speech actually wanted him to be banned as well. Um, well, this is this it's is not, it's not it's not disconcerting anymore, but it, it's it, it's very sad to me that these people who call themselves liberals. Say no, they should ban him because he says mean words. Well, you're not a liberal. You're not a liberal if no. that's what you feel. Uh, it's it needs to be said. Uh, you might be a liberal by American definition. And, and often the by the same by the same people who defended the spear at all costs, mm. as saying this is this is an important uh, value of free speech that well, it should I, remain. And and then th- three four years later, they said no, ban the pastor because I mean the mean words he says. 
Well, um, well I, agree, I agree with free speech as long as you don't say something that offends me uh, or I disagree with. You know, and that's, that's a situation we currently sit with. Uh, we, yeah. we, have a, we have a problem that uh, it would seem that many people, certainly those especially in the media, believe that free speech is a right uh, and free speech is enshrined in our constitution as long as what you're saying is something that doesn't offend uh, their sensibilities. Right. I mean, a good point is Ivo Werchter wrote a column this, this, oh, this Tuesday. Me. And he made a point that all the, all the eco people's predictions had been proven wrong over and over again. Okay. And, and, let, and let, no, no, no. Let, what? Let's just say that it wasn't just that he made a point. It was that he went and he, he, no, he, he did he, the data. He found the exact, yeah, he, he said this person said this and yeah. they said that by this time and he, he found several examples basically of we're all going to die because of climate change. Yes. Okay. So we sorry won't, to we, we won't have any polar bears by 2003. Sure. And we, it's 2016 and, we, and they're still, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. We, we won't have a stuff. coastline that looks like a coastline. And then you had Nahama Brody. He actually does quite good work with Africa Czech. Um, who, who else, who I, who I like. Oh, they, great organization. They, they do great work. And I think she runs it or she does some sort of, of, of work. The head of training it. and research there. Right. Okay. So she, so she does all this work. So she actually knows what data is and how to collect it and, and things like that. And then she just called out Ava as saying, like, your, your, the, what you write will just kill people and will cause untold misery. And I can't believe you have a, a space to air your, your ideas like this. Because you're a climate change denier. A, a denialist, yes, whatever that means. I, I don't know one person who denies that the climate changes. Winter to summer, what, it doesn't exist? Of course it does, anyway. Um, but, but here you've got someone who actually knows how to collect, collate, uh, publish research and data. Mm. And she's like completely against the fact that Ivo wrote this piece with data in it. And Which he then, he asked her to refute. Right. You know, he said, okay, you know, it's fine. You disagree. Where's your data to say that what I write uh, is, wrong. Is, is wrong or is going to kill, cause the misery of, of millions, millions of people, people or something to that effect? And, and she said, no, I'm not interested in even engaging with you because, uh, you know, I, I, basically of who you are. Nothing right. about it. But, but my point is, here's someone in the media who, is, who knows what data is. I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't express that <laughs> more thoroughly. She does this for a living. Yeah. Fact check, uh, Africa Check is literally is a, a, a data checking yeah. company, well, and it does, service. And it does great work. I, I, I quote them all the time. Um, and, and the head researcher wants to ban Ivo from having a column without looking at his data. Like it boggles my mind that journalism has come to this this space. Um, it's, it boggles my mind to think that these people who do research only want their research or whatever else yeah. research to be published, but not Ivo, for well, example. Well, you know, it's that it's that issue of that instead of. Uh, uh, Cogent arguments occupying the the public discourse, so to speak. Uh, we've got a we, we've got ideologies, and everything that everyone's trying to do is just pushing an ideology. Uh, yes, and, and, and don't we, we're not innocent of that. No, well, we push a liberal ideology. More anarchist. You push the anarchist. Liberals are just socialists who don't want to take control of the means of production. <laughs> in my eyes. Um, uh, but but yeah, I, I just I just for next time show. I, I just think that. Yeah, the, the media's fallen. They don't, the media must fall. Maybe that should be a hashtag. <laughs> but I just found it very strange that journalists would say this. Well, I don't find it strange anymore. I'm actually used to it by now. But like, guys, look at the arguments yeah. and objectively assess. Um, 
don't not read a piece. <laughs> or just dismiss. I mean, uh, you know, when, when someone gives you stuff in black and white that is literally in black, you can't refute it. Um, then either find another data point that, that is stronger, that, that will refute it, or, 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 you know, at least concede to that point and make another argument or accept the argument. Uh, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. I have the same frustration uh, with you in terms of, you know, someone who knows what data is and, and refuses to, to, to engage with it. With me? No, 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 not with I have the same feeling as oh, you. Oh, the same feeling um, as me. Okay. Calm down, calm down. No, um, but we must disagree on something, um, I suppose. People want us to fight. Uh, we well, uh, I don't know. I don't, what do we disagree on? We've got some questions. Maybe we'll disagree on some of that stuff. Yeah, let's go through those those questions quick. So we got a couple of questions around the education side of things, obviously related to the the stuff that's going on at universities. Um, talking about the differences between free and subsidised education, and also if education is uh, culturally valuable. Um, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I mean, not sure what. what there's but, no such thing as, as as something for free, right? Someone always pays. It's often done through taxes. I know a lot of people quote uh, the Danish system or, or the, the German or system. the Finnish system. Uh, the key difference is they've got, and this is important, they've got ninety percent of the workforce paying taxes. That's right, and they got cultural hegemony. Yeah. That is such an important factor that no one ever talks about. All Finnish people are very much alike. And they all want to work, and they all work towards a fairly common goal, goal mm. that the system they have, that has been uh, placed or that they uh, use, um, the, the welfare system, everything like that. Like a lot of people accept it and are happy with yeah, it. There's buy-in, in other words. Absolutely. In, we are a third world country with 11 languages, 50, pe- 50 million people, and different tribes and races and ethnicities. Like, we're not even close to that. And we've got like, Three million taxpayers, like yeah, it's uh, yeah about five can, million. But I think five hundred thousand who pay the majority right, of, of the tax. We can never hope to to have a system like that. Yeah, not not in any time in the near or, or medium term. No, it's it's just it's just not going to happen. Um, and is education culturally valuable? Well, yeah, I think I think you could make the argument that education is culturally valuable. I, I suppose it depends where you're coming from. Um, on that, what does it mean to be culturally valuable? Yeah, I don't um, understand that question too um, too much. But um, but I, I think I think most um, people, just in general, I don't know if it links to their culture, do value education. Yes. Uh, you 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 see this. You know, I've been to enough graduation ceremonies to tell you that parents from every walk of life are very happy to see their children graduate. So it certainly is very culturally valuable. There are uh, take examples of, of of my own colleagues and friends who become the first doctor in their entire village. Um, you know, and essentially become a, family a folk hero. Yes. <laughs> you know, amongst amongst their whole village, um, because it is. Certainly, very valuable and 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 very um, respected, um, and 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 yeah. So I, I do think that that education is something to be aspired to. And this is one of the problems we have is is in my opinion is that uh, a lot of the stuff um, that that we should be looked up to 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 kind of. Uh, Give people ambition. Uh, you know, part of uh, humanity is is, is self actualization, um, and that's 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 ach- achievement. You you get yeah. to self actualization through several ways of achieving uh, many many different goals in, in your life personally. And one of those things can be education. 
Uh, and and I think by tearing these things down, you, you really are going oh, to create to, to, to future to future mi- misery for people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an it's an outlet that creates a lot of joy. Uh, it gives people a lot of uh, happiness. It, 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 let's keep money out of it and all of those other things. Just in terms well, of fulfilment, I think inherent dignity yeah mm. plays a huge role. Absolutely. Uh, all right. There's a, a, a question about uh, abortion and declining crime. This is the Freakonomics uh, example. Uh, yeah. So in the first Freakonomics yeah. books, basically they, they made a, an argument that the decline in the crime rate in America uh, coincided with Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion, and their their their, their premise is that when abort people who abort their children are often poorer and and single. So a lot of single mothers aborted their children, mm. and they they played on some sort of research to suggest that people from or children born from um, out of wedlock or from single fa- uh, single parent families commit the commit crime the most. Yeah. So a lot of these people who had the potential to commit crime in Never the future existed. were aborted. So there's that correlation. Now I don't know. I think I think it's a factor. But there are a lot of other things that happened in the 90s and the 80s, like policing and, uh, you know, a lot of other things could factor into that. Yeah. So Improved economy for, for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's a correlation, but I don't know if it's the major, yeah. the major factor. I think Freakonomics does say that, though. They do say that, you sure. know, um, this fits in within a, a, a greater sort of system. Yeah. Um, and this is one potential if you read the the Freakonomics books, um, uh, they 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 do speak to that. It's not it's never just one thing, um, but obviously what they're trying to do is they're trying to highlight one specific area. That's like their whole kind of point. Right. I mean, they, they just make economics interesting because um, they are actually economists. Yeah. Stephen Dubner and Levitt are actually very good economists. Yeah. So, and then lastly, someone wants to know if what we think about the. The U.S. and Russia, and if Russia are really kind of thugs, as the Americans would have us believe, or if uh, the Americans are overplaying it, and and no, the Russians are actually nice people, and and it's the Americans who are you know these terrible, um, uh, I don't know, globalists and capitalists and all those words that are used. I think they're both awful. Yeah. Um, in every single way, uh, Putin makes has made everyone poorer in Russia uh, during the course of his tenure. Yeah. Especially the last uh, five years or so. Uh, no, he's an awful man in every single way. Yeah. He's he's like a, 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 a he's like Stalin without the gulags in a way. He he loves power. He wants to take what he thinks is, is rightfully belongs to Russia. They are he's they, trying to reform the Soviet Union. Yeah, there are some rumors that he's actually the richest man in the world with like sixty, seventy, eighty billion dollars net worth. No one's been able to prove it, but he's a very rich man. He, he's yeah. friends with all the big guys in Russia. He's like Jacob Zuma. Like Rick Lodge, right? Yeah, so he's not a great guy. I, I think, I think the, you know, the, the certainly, he's not a good guy and, and, and what the Russians do is, is, is not necessarily good. Um, for example, in Syria, they, they are friends with, uh, Assad and his regime. It's very complex. Um, but, but, uh, they certainly, you can't say that they are innocent in, in everything. But what's happened is America and Russia are, are basically in another cold war. Um, or they, they're moving towards it, certainly. And so you, the stuff you will hear from the Americans is going to be a bit hyperbolic. 
um, as it was in the Cold War um, about the communists and you know the, uh, the the threat that they posed and uh, with the McCarthy well, well, you know, McCarthyism in, 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 and all, but in the all of Cold that. War it was like an actual threat. I don't know if it if it exists to that extent now. Yeah, but I, I think you know sometimes uh, some of the rhetoric begets more rhetoric. Oh, of course, um, of course. And and so I think they they both. They're both actually are pretty bad at the moment. Um, and, you know, I think you could, if you wanted to take a side, I, I would probably take the U.S. side simply because, uh, for example, what Putin's trying to do in terms of expanding into Eastern Europe uh, and reforming the USSR, uh, really, um, is dangerous. Uh, and that has uh, that has potentially huge implications. And and look, one thing against Donald Trump is that he wants to fiddle with NATO, which is what has kept peace pretty much for these smaller nations or these these these, yeah, but, these I mean, ex But let's be honest, uh, I mean, Donald Russian Trump nations. Donald Trump is is an offshoot of, of Putin in a way. He loves Putin. Well, he's, he's, it's, a, it's an he's, ego he's issue. He's a strong leader. I can't, I can't do the accent. He loves Putin. <laughs> he's so a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy, really great guy. <laughs> I can't do it. No, we're both terrible. We need Gareth in here. So, yeah, I mean, they're both awful. Uh, and they're both, yeah, they're both awful. I think that's about the end of that question. Um, Jonathan, what, how long have we been on? Uh, long enough, long enough. Okay. Right. Should we call, you it want to call it a so, day? So I think it's very important to tell the listeners that we, we have made a, a conscious decision to be a bit more – thanks for interrupting me. Where's my music? Your, music, your music's coming. I'm on yeah. a rant with the music yeah. on. Yeah, uh, not a rant. But just let listen. We try to be a bit more perceptive. We actually met someone who's, who, who teaches communications, and it was very, very interesting. Yeah. And um, he says – our content is great, but sometimes the tone does put off people that you could reach. So we're not changing anything um, in terms of content. I think it's I think people who don't like us will be able to listen to us if we're not terribly hyperbolic about what we what we think, what we say. Right, Ramon's going to try. I, uh, I I can't make any promises, but I'm doing my best. Oh, come on, this podcast was a great was a great one, right? We didn't shout, we didn't call anyone idiots. It, 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 it was great, which is why everyone who's listening is now going to go on to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and leave a comment. We are the most rated show in South Africa. Yeah, there you go, and uh, one of the top podcasts in the country. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we're at, Ren- at Renegade underscore Report. Also on Facebook, you can like our page. Uh, you can find Ramon and myself both on Twitter. Not hard to find. Just search our names. We will catch you on the next Renegade Report. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you're enjoying all of the shows. Please tell your friends. Catch you next time. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.